0: This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com, on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you so much for joining us. It's our final show of 2021. It's been a big year. I know I can hear a lot of you crying. It's okay, we'll be back in 2022. 2022. Do not worry about that. But a big show to wrap up today. I'm going to have a chat to Richard Crowell, Mark Walker. We're going to have a look at what happened in the Formula 1s on the weekend. Dale Rogers will also give us his thoughts as well. And then a top five, our final top five of the year. This top five is about the year. Our top five things that we saw or thought of or what we're a part of for 2021. All that to come right here on The Grid. Before we do anything, let's head to Dale Rogers for his F1 report.
1: Dale. Hey Tony. Well, what an event we had in Abu Dhabi on the weekend. Grand Theft Auto, screamed the front page of English tabloid the Daily Mail. Yeah, there's plenty still to play out in the battle between Red Bull and Mercedes after the final round of the Formula One World Championship in Abu Dhabi. The record will show that Max Verstappen won the race, thereby the World Championship, by overtaking Lewis Hamilton on the last lap. But that is only scratching the surface of the story. The bigger question was that if the race should have been live when the chequered flag came out, or still under the safety car, which had been sent out six laps earlier after Nicholas Latifi's Williams gave the barriers a working over at the exit of the hotel corner. Hamilton's Mercedes had dominated the race up until this point, Verstappen was second but never really looked like the Red Bull had the pace all evening despite having set a fantastic pole position. The safety car gifted Verstappen the opportunity to get back onto a fresh set of soft tyres, with Hamilton obliged to to be a potential restart sitting duck on 40 lap plus old Pirelli hard tyres. But would there be a restart? Would there be time for it once the mess had been cleared? By lap 56, with two to go, it did look like it would be too late. If the normal procedure from the race director had been followed of letting lap cars unlap themselves, then no. The sporting regulations say the safety safety car will come in the lap after this has happened, giving those unlapped cars the chance of getting back to the back of the pack. But would that have meant that the safety car was heading to the pit lane just as the chequered flag was falling? So could they restart with the lap cars in place and race for one lap to the flag? Well, yes, they could. That's uh, not without precedent. And initially that was announced by race control as what was going to happen. But there were five lap cars between Hamilton and Verstappen. An impossible task it would have seemed for Max to make up ground, then past Lewis. Suddenly, it was announced that those five cars could unlap themselves, and the safety car would be coming in on that lap. It made for an incredibly dramatic ending to this amazing season, and Verstappen-Julie made his move into Turn 5 on the last lap, fended off for retaliating Hamilton down the next couple of straights, then pulled away to win his first World Championship. But it was a totally new take on the regulations, and not one which Toto and the Mercedes soon could swallow. Of course, Red Bull were delirious. The evening ended with protests to the Stewards being heard and thrown out. Sergio Perez had earlier played one of the best team games ever seen. He blocked and monstered Hamilton as Lewis tried to regain position, allowing the Stappen to close up within a second. This prompted a call from Max on the radio saying Checo is a legend but he still did not have the pace to make a lunge at the Mercedes. But before the TV crunched the barriers and triggered the chaos, Hamilton had dominated the evening completely. A first lap carve-up between the two protagonists was questionable as Lewis came back on track way in front of Max and did not really give any time back. The stewards however said, play on. Later, the position would be reversed with the Latifi accident. Mercedes was caught between a rock and a hard place in that whatever they did, Red Bull would do the opposite. Had they pitted Hamilton, they'd have lost track position to Verstappen. Trying then to overtake Max, whether in a faster car or not around the Asmarina circuit would have been almost impossible. With Verstappen the championship, if neither finished, this was something they were second to avoid. They did all the things right. Hamilton ran his race superbly well, but the Formula 1 gods and Michael Massey, the Aussie race director, switched the outcome. Max Verstappen was crowned champion. The 2020 Formula One World Championship will be spoken about for a long, long time, and rightly so. It was a cracker. Tony, that's it for Formula One for 2021. Look forward to speaking to you in the new year. Back to the studio.
0: This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, time to catch up with my two co-hosts. And what a year it's been. I thank them so much, and I'll thank them also at the end as well. Richard Crail, first of all, for the Race Talk. Hello, mates. No, I'd like to be thanked at the start, Shabeks. Well, let me bring Mark Walker in as
2: well. <laughs> Hello, Mark. No, thank you, Tony Shebeki.
0: No, no, thank you, guys. It has been just so pleasurable to be able to do this uh, podcast with two blokes that I love working with, love chatting with, I and think, love having a beer with, which
3: I haven't done for two years. No. And we missed you at Bathurst and we said that last week. I, I think the most impressive thing about this year was that we used up so much of our good stuff last year when there was no racing on, Yeah, but somehow we managed to come up with more now, whether it was truly good or not is completely debatable, but, uh, this year bought the innovation of the top five, which I thought was yes. a good thing. Um, So somehow we've managed to punch our way through another year that has been completely and utterly disrupted by the plague. And uh, we've come out the other side, and I feel like we've come out smelling all right. And the fact that in the space of two weeks, both Mark and myself were independently approached by listeners of On The Grid who were fans of the show and wanted to engage with us, I think is proof that we now have at least two listeners regularly to this no, show three no no three. three
0: four
3: three four
0: then might be four
3: because oh, it was it was on my brother no. his brother as well so yeah no you're right well, I, caught up,
0: I caught up with a guy on sunday and uh, you know him in sort richard mm-hmm. so the guy's name's paul I, I honestly can't remember your surname paul and i sincerely apologize for that paul has designed the quad cam vision that comes, and I think they ran it in Bathurst 12 Hour a couple of weeks ago, a couple of years ago with uh, Emery. And they they're running in the Porsches at Bathurst uh, over that weekend. He's actually devised the whole system. Right. You know, camera on the foot, camera on the back of the car, front of the car. Okay. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I spoke, I had a meeting with him and he went, we spoke about the whole thing. And he said that he is an absolute avid listener of the program and prefers the
2: second half of the program to the first. So we're just going to put 30 minutes of dead air in this episode. Is that plan? We're just not
0: going to have interviews anymore. Bad bad news for
3: your new segment, (laughs) Shebex. It's It's off next year. year, So no one needs the news. Uh, Well, that's, that's nice. Nice to know. And, Look, as we record on a Tuesday night uh, in advance of some major news breaking tomorrow, inevitably.
0: Um, well, you we know what's f- going to happen. We, we all know what's going to happen tomorrow, don't we? Oh, well, the world champion! Lewis Hamilton will be, becomes eight-time world champion. It'll be
3: uprooted completely. Yeah, without um, a doubt. Which would be amazing. Um, but we can confirm. Now, I want to lock this in right now because yep. this will commit me to actually doing it. So... It was announced today, Tuesday, as we record this, that the Touring Car Masters Series are going back to Newcastle. Oh, right? Cool. So TCM will open their new season on the streets of Newcastle, the Repco Newcastle 500 in March next year. Great. So a week after the Bathurst 12-hour, greater. Going to be a really good fortnight to go car racing. Um, so beers on TRT will return. Hey. I think we might do it. Pending location of the media centre, we might do it in the clock tower hotel. Not the clock tower, is it? That's the Gold Coast. Uh, what's the one on the corner inside it's Turn One? Where I mean, the hotel is? with
2: a clock tower on top of it. I yeah. think that's a good it's enough
3: name. The for Turn One it. pub, where the media centre is in Newcastle, yeah, down the bottom. Either that, or the one literally next door to it. So there are two between Turn One and Turn Two on the streets of Newcastle. Beers on TRT will return. It has been officially requested yeah. by the listeners. Uh, it will return at the Newcastle 500. The way, shape, and form and means in how we do it is yet to be determined, but it will be back. So lock it in. In your schedules now, dear listeners. Beers on TRT back. Where it goes from there, who knows? And we on should- a second note, if you going, are... So we should see
0: if we could have whiskey on TRT as well. well. We should have a chat
3: to Ned. I was just about to say, if you are listening from Ned Australian Whiskey, who have been great sponsors of Kelly Grove Racing for the last two years, and we thoroughly enjoyed our one meeting of freedom before everything shut down last year, uh, or Cooper's, long-time sponsor of Supercars,
2: even Jim Beam, please reach out. All we're asking for is some free beer because we're very poor. Look, from my Jack Daniels days, I cleaned out the cupboard on my way out, so we could still have a JD-sponsored event for sure. Okay, cool. Well, because you don't work
3: for them anymore and they don't sponsor the sport, we just peel the labels off, the big TRT branded. Moonshine. I still, want
0: to, I still want to have a chat to you about buying those 50 bottles.
3: That you have. <laughs> let's, <Rocky. laughs> let's not get into the old behind-the-scenes bootlegging that is a key factor of on the grid,
0: shall we? <laughs> uh, so, supercars news, pretty quiet in the past seven days. Not much has happened there. Everyone's gone away, and rightly so.
3: Yep, good. Uh, they can all have a break. They deserve it. I think uh, the washout
0: from Bathurst, I think, has been pretty positive, though, hasn't it? Yeah, Lee Holdsworth's been a pretty, pretty busy man in the week after. Having a chat to him on uh, on Saturday, he's done so many interviews, and hopefully, you know, that translates into something positive for him down the track. Uh, definitely, though, I think the thing that we were keep sorry, which was going to stop you from so- I'm stopping you from saying something there.
3: No, I was just going to say, if you're Lee Holdsworth and Stephen Grove rings you, because it's pretty clear Matt Payne's not going to be in that seat next year, do you oh. take that full-time drive? In oh. a car that has won a race, like that won a race at Taylor Bend earlier this year, I'm and feeling- if it rains, unbeatable apparently, but d- do you take that drive or do you re-sign for WAU and win Bathurst again with Chaz?
0: I'm feeling, and I, and I don't honestly know the answer from Lee on this, We we haven't spoken about it, but I'm feeling that that is on the table at the moment for him. I just, I just think that he's holding something there. He knows that there could be possibly something there. And look, at, at the end of the day, probably it works for him. He could still start his job that he was looking at starting, and we were talking about that with him last week on the show, that real estate job. I don't think that would interfere too much with a full-time drive. You don't need to be at the factory 24 hours a day, seven days a week, do you, as a full-time driver nowadays?
3: Well, Gary Jacobson still goes back to Shepparton and drives buses, doesn't he? There you go.
2: But it's that whole thing. Do you take a drive for the sake of having a drive like Fabian Coulthard this year and finish last? I mean, what are the prospects for that team?
0: The prospects are better than than Fabian
3: Coulthard this year. Why
2: why did Andre walk away from that team? Must have been reasons why he didn't want to be involved there anymore.
3: Maybe he thought Brad Jones Racing was a better
2: bet. But you know, it's it's it'll be a one year deal. You're doing that for the sake that he'll lose his chaz drive, and will he ever get that back? Where where is he going to wind up? What's the long term prospects here?
3: The other question is is that Fabian's been linked to that seat as well in the media this week. So that for Fabian, it's a different story, isn't it? Because that's definitely an upgrade from where he's at. Hundred percent. Yeah. The other thing I thought was great about Lee was was Twitter and. How Zach uh, Brown reaching out to Chaz Mostert about their deal, and it was talked about in the press conference Sunday night at Bathurst, and then all throughout last week about the deal for Chaz to go and drive uh, Alan Moffat's Chevy Monza that Zach Brown owns as part of his remarkable collection over there in the UK. Uh, and Chaz put conditions on that and said, "Okay, I'd love to do it, but I want to take my mate Moff with me so James <laughs> can drive his dad's car." And James was on board, and then Lee popped up and was like, well, "What about me?" and Zach was like, well, you're definitely coming too. So <laughs> the, the powers of social media, all of a sudden, Zach Brown from giving one person a drive is now giving three blokes a drive of an Alan Moffat Chevy Monza sports sedan. But what a cool story that is. I, I, I love that. I love everything about what Zach Brown has done this year, both on and off the track with McLaren and with United and with WAU. Just such a cool figure in the sport. And to have that history that on offer to to give people a skid in as well is just sensational. As we talk on Tuesday night, Padua Ward is, is driving a McLaren Formula One car for the first time as part of his prize for winning an IndyCar race. So it's yeah. just awesome. That's such a good story. And um, imagine as cool as it is for Chaz and Lee to get that opportunity. For them, it's just a cool car. But imagine James getting to steer one of his old man's mm. like famous racing cars. That, that's a really, really cool thing.
0: Yeah, no no doubt about it. And I think it was just three words from Zach that really sealed it. It's a deal. Yeah. That was it. That's all he had to say. It's a deal. Lovely. Hey, uh, is the Formula One Championship a done deal? I don't think the result will change. Uh, The the
3: FIA not known for giving themselves penalties in the past for their own rules. But um, I, I thought it was utterly incredible utterly incredible what we witnessed on monday morning our time that race from start to finish from it it encapsulated the entire season surely was scripted in two hours well some people are some people arguing that netflix wrote the wrote the plot but (laughs) surely they did nah but this is what happens when you get a competitive world championship you go back and like the replays of 2008 with Massa and Hamilton were replayed countless times over the weekend and that was remarkable and the 2010 finale came up when when Aussie Mark was in contention there like just it was such an appropriate finish to the year and I include in that all of the post-event stuff that's gone on since but it just, it's so Formula One and the political intrigue and the arguments and the bickering and the lawyers is such a bigger part of Formula One, as much a bigger part of Formula One as the on track component, that it would be disappointing if it was all wrapped up in a neat little bow. So much about F1 is the political intrigue off the racetrack. I love it. I think this is extraordinary. And it means that F1 is going to be talked about from now right up through the point where the 2022 season starts. And if you are Liberty Media who bought that sport, what, five or six years ago now, this is where you go, we're finally getting some ROI. This is yeah. just the best possible thing that could have happened.
2: As a neutral fan, I love turning on the social media. I, I woke up way too early Monday morning and sort of caught the end of it all and and stayed tuned in because it was just blowing up supreme, mm. just watching the Hamilton fans, the, the, Staple, the non-Hamilton fans blow up. Australians supporting Michael Maxey. It was fantastic that all these different, Mm. you know, voices on social media were heard about the whole thing, but the whole race, you go back to that first lap. Yeah. When Hamilton cut cut the chicane, you know, if he readdressed that and Verstappen was out in front, how was the rest of that race going to pan out? Mm. Would it have been that Hamilton would have had the lead and, subsequently get shafted. I mean, that's the problem with the whole thing too, is that Hamilton got shafted, but Red Bull did nothing wrong. No. Yeah, good. but, but the there,
3: there's an but, argument, and I, I don't take either side. There's an argument to say that Lewis didn't get shafted either because huh. the rules for moving lap cars out of the way have always been there. It's just that in this case, it was discretionary that only the cars between the two of them would be moved. But, and the key point, Mark, is that there is nothing in the regulations that says that that's wrong. There's yep, nothing that true. says it's right either. Yeah. So you can bet the regulation will change before next year. So this is the whole grey area of sporting regulations and interpretation, which will be the number, I bet you $1,000, it's the number one word that gets used in the court when this inevitably goes to court. Interpretation will be the number one word. And it was interpreted one way to set up a racing finish.
2: Yeah you know, it was fantastic because you've got all these rules there. And then the final rule is that Michael Massey can make up his own rules with it, which he did, you know, to to an extent like, but the, you know, he had his discretion and that's that having that gray area there that you don't think it's a problem. You know, you, you write that rule with good intentions and then you get a situation like that good, bad or indifferent, whatever the 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 outcome was.
3: Until it gets tested. You never know if the rule's going to
2: work. Exactly right. And, and now that they've, discovered that boy they're going to have to tighten up their their rule book just to dot the i's and cross all the t's and i I think
3: the thing that people are most shocked about is that it's such a change of approach from the fia and there's a couple of things worth pointing out here one while michael massey is the face and this year because of the team radio playback the voice of race control race control is a team as much as toto is the face of mercedes but there's A 1,000 people that work on that team. So these decisions aren't unilaterally made by one bloke. Michael Massey will reach out to the clerk, of course, and the deputy race director and everyone around him, much as it is here in supercars with Tim Schenken and James Taylor and Craig Baird, people that we know. So a lot of the conversation has been Michael Massey knife him and that's, that's only because he's the figurehead. I, I think it goes, it goes beyond that. And I think the call, some of the discussion about Massey has been unacceptable for yep. mine on social media. And I'm not just saying that because, A, I've worked with the guy and, B, I know him. It, it's been, I would say that if it was still Charlie Whiting and he made the same call.
0: Just don't be um, personal, folks. That's simple. Just don't sorry?
3: Be, just don't be personal. That's easy. Well, no, exactly right. You can criticise the decision, yeah, but don't make sure. it about the person. Um, It's just the fact that the race director is seen as having this be all and end all of power that, that they're the ones that get targeted with this. So there's that, but I think the surprise because in the past, the FIA have been ultra conservative in the way that they manage races. And it's always been about safety first. And they've never in my years of following F1, in my memory gone, what about the show? And, I think the balance that in particular, and Mark, you and I have talked about this a lot, the balance that struck I I think Australia strikes a really good balance between pure motorsport and the show. Now you could argue one way or another that perhaps America goes too towards the show and Europe traditionally goes too towards pure racing. Whereas I reckon, and look, I'm probably incredibly biased, but I think the product that we have here in Australia, and this goes to 12-hour supercars. TCR I think is reasonably well balanced between making sure there's a good show and that a race is a race and the race to the finish, but also making sure the safety considerations are placed on. I I think this change of approach in race control for formula one has probably caught some people off guard. Gone too far because I no, I don't think so, but I would argue that five years ago that decision wouldn't have happened. And that race would have finished under safety car
0: and every single person would have been disappointed except Mercedes Benz. Well, on that, while well, I've got you on that then, does it make a difference that it's the final race of the year on the final lap as opposed to race five? Should there be a difference in the laying of the law based on where, where the race is no. held on the calendar? No, there shouldn't. Because that was obviously a consideration.
3: Uh, yeah, I think it probably was. I would was. say it was. The, the test will be if this happens, let's say it happens at Albert Park next May or April. Yeah right? The test would be, so there's five laps to go. There's a crash. There's a safety car. There's going to be a one lap time for a one lap dash to the flag. Does the same procedure happen again? That's the consistency that it needs to be in place. If it doesn't happen again, the big question will be, well, why was it different for Abu Dhabi? Uh, If it does happen again, you will go, okay, well, this is the way we're going to play ball. They're the rules we play by it. But like, like Mark said, this is the first time. It's the first time it's happened. So It's a wild thing, and the fact that it happened in the most inopportune time for the FIA and for race control at the most hyped-up Formula 1 title decider in
2: 30 years. So you mentioned the radio chat to Michael Massey, and as a punter with no horses in that race, I love that. That is so good, but I don't think it showed any of those three guys in a terribly good light, did it?
3: No. No. No, I I can't Um, believe that Toto, Christian, whoever it might be, have a direct line to the guy running the race. That, that is,
2: that, that blew my mind. Seriously. And, and, it's,
0: and it's just, it's too
2: much information, isn't it? Because mm, they have that, all year. Yeah, yeah, race. yeah, I know. But it, it just gives all the punters all this information. Oh, clearly Christian, you know, talked him into it, you know. yeah, That's, It's rubbish.
3: No, utter rubbish. Now, and the other, the other thing, Mark, that people need to remember in all of this is that Michael Massey doesn't work for Formula One. He is not paid by Formula no, 1. He's, he's, he's not but, um, paid by the team. He works for the FIA. Good. So this separation of church and state in motorsport happens everywhere. So the governing body here, at Motorsport Australia. They employ the race director. Supercars employ Craig Baird, but the actual guy who runs the race is employed by the governing body. And it's the same in Formula 1. So everyone going, oh, Formula 1 set that up for Netflix. Well, that's rubbish because... Yeah. It's the it's governing right. body that yeah. that runs the race. Michael Massey is employed by the FIA, not Formula One. He's just yeah. appointed as the F one race director.
2: Now, I haven't seen it written anywhere, but I cannot believe that Lewis Hamilton left the door so wide open on that restart. Yes. What was he doing? Like what of course he was gonna dive past. There yeah. was no he it's was nowhere, nowhere near Stafford. close enough and the door was just wide open. Of course yeah. he speed up there. Yeah. I couldn't believe that.
3: Yeah, and and the irony of all that was in the pre-race Karun Chandok, who helped design that corner was like, Oh, we've made this corner 18 meters wide to encourage people to dive down the inside and make a move. Yep. Like blatantly obvious. It's a wide hairpin and Max mm-hmm. Verstappen has made a career of absolutely sending it. He did it on the first lap of the race. Like surely, surely you go, Oh, he's probably going to send it here. I might cover my line. Ma- maybe Lewis expected that maybe he thought he was too far in front maybe he thought he'd get the better the undercut coming out of the corner and out drag him down the straight but red bull was bloody clear early on that uh they were going to maximize their car for straight line speed so they could race they made that change before qualifying uh yeah I, I was amazed that he didn't block i was amazed and in that if you remove the controversy boys in the safety car stuff lewis hamilton was outraced by Max Verstappen to the World Championship. In black and white, that's what happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah, true. Now, the way I see it is that Michael Massey probably could have done three things, definitely. There might have been more. Mm. One was what happened, and we've discussed that. Two was they finished under safety car. Would that have caused as much congestion as what this has? No, but it would have been incredibly disappointing. would have been frustrating, wouldn't it? Yeah. The, The third option is... Red flag. Red flag, exactly. On the accident, track unsafe, red flag, you come out, you've got five laps to race, mm-hmm. it probably would have been.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and another one too, what about Perez? Oh. There's, a, there's a two-car team. Yeah, yeah. Bottas wasn't in the conversation, was yeah. he? So they couldn't use him when they needed him.
3: That bit of racing with Perez, and I've seen people blow oh, up good. about that saying it was unsportsmanlike. It was nice. in the lead of the race. He had every right to defend his position. Correct. The, the fact that The fact that his teammate was trying to win the world championship and catch up was part of the course. That was a great bit of racing. There were no blue flags flying. Well, no, no, because it didn't need to be. Correct, didn't need to be. The other thing I think that's got Mercedes wired is that they were out strategized because
0: that was ridiculous.
3: Because they they were leading and they didn't want to give up track position, which you completely understand because it's so hard to pass in Formula One. But even to
0: the extent that they came in probably 10 laps earlier in that first stop, their first and only stop that they cover should Max, have. yeah. I reckon they could have stayed out just that just a little bit longer and that would have helped Hamilton. And they, the had, they had such good race pace that I think they
3: felt invulnerable. Not mm-hmm. invulnerable, but they were pretty confident that they had the car speed to deal with Max. But Red Bull had nothing left. When that safety car came out, they just had to roll the dice. And throw tires on. And it was either we're going to finish second with new tires, new softs, or on a restart, we're going to have a shot at winning this thing. Yeah. And their roll of the dice outplayed Mercedes' conservatism out in front because what the, the opposition would have, if Merck pitted, Red Bull wouldn't have. Yeah. As simple as that. And it would have been the other way around. So ironically max being second for most of the race and it could come back to what you talked about mark about that lap one exchange down at turn 5 not having track position might ironically have won yeah. red bull the world championship but but this is the thing that gets forgotten a lot is that red bull are a bloody good racing car team and and whether you're a max Verstappen fan or not they're not just an energy drink brand that is a cracking racing car team who have won world championships before, who continue to be a powerhouse in Formula One and know how to win Grand Prix. And they showed that again on Sunday. They rolled the dice. It absolutely
2: worked for them. Uh, and that's great. And the true winner is Simpson's memes. Oh I know Has, right. Hasn't it blown up yeah. so good. Yeah. So good.
3: We we could do an entire power <laughs> rankings on Simpson's memes, couldn't we? But Shebex, I, I loved it. I thought it was unbelievable. I, I'm profusely apologizing to my neighbors because it was quite a warm night in Adelaide and I had all my doors and windows open in the house to get some fresh air in. And uh, when that went down on the final lap, I had lost my yeah. shit. And uh, <laughs> it, was it was two o'clock was in the it. morning. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm uh, very, very sorry to my neighbors because I didn't it. wake up. That's, I'll be surprised. Oh.
0: You love the fact that my sixteen and eighteen year olds sat up with me and watched it through to two o'clock in the morning. So that's uh, two new fans that the the, school has.
2: The funniest meme I saw of the whole thing is that Netflix that weekend was following Lance Stroll. (laughs) 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 No, who
3: did nothing? Uh, It
2: was so good. It was Uh, so good.
3: What a what a season, boys! I just uh, it it so rejuvenated my love of Formula One. And um, it's proof that what they're doing with the new rules is the right, the right way to go. Because when you get even competition between two good drivers in two good cars from two different teams, it just adds so much fire to a world championship. So it's true. just great. I love now, it.
0: The other great thing was that that race happened after we were already fairly excited because 24 hours before, Oscar mm. Piastri wins the. F two championship. What an amazing three years for him! Yeah, three titles in three years. It's pretty
3: extraordinary, isn't it? I'd like to think that uh, it was your interview with him on the grid last year, Chevex, after winning F three that probably helped him on his way. I would have thought. Surely, yeah,
0: well, there's a fair chance of that. Mm.
2: Like, remember well, earlier? Yeah, sorry. Like earlier this year, yeah, you know, he started getting some decent results, and I was yeah. like, "This kid's the real deal." Yeah, like he's legit. You know? Yeah. He's yeah. going to get to Formula One. Well, yeah. it's
0: a real shame though that 2022 means he's going to become the champion of sitting on the couch in his yeah
3: work. yeah. Look, here I've I've seen there's a lot of reporting in the Australian media who don't follow motorsport often that he's being robbed and writes a sad indictment on F1. I I don't think so. It's like, do you want to go and drive for a team that finished ninth in the world championship this year? And yes, they might be good Alfa Romeo next year. But then they also might be awful. Um, Or do you spend a year embedding yourself with Alpine, get to know every single person in the factory, build the relationships now, drive the car a heap in test days and spend all your time on the sim, go to the Grand Prix, learn the procedures, and then when Alonso retires or Ocon goes to Mercedes the year after when Hamilton retires, um, you slide into a race seat at a team that's backed by a manufacturer uh, is a proven race winning outfit, even this year. And you in a set second year of a set of new rules where they could be very, very competitive. I think he's in a fine, he's in a fine position. It will not do him any harm at all
2: to spend a year as a reserve driver at all. I, I can see Hamilton pulling the pin this off season. <laughs> he might not okay. come back. You, you listen, oh, to, what he, he, girl, you listen right. to what he said. Yeah, it's like it wasn't like oh well we'll come back next year and beat him. It was like oh, like yeah. I can't remember exactly what he said, but that interview uh, with Jensen Button straight after the race, it was like yep, yeah, wow. Uh, and I
0: and I credit his dad for that. Oh, I yeah. think Lewis had every opportunity to be as petulant as he has ever been, but his dad had a good and we saw pictures of it. His dad was talking into his ear for a good thirty to forty-five seconds, and I think he was just calming Lewis down, saying mate. Don't do anything stupid. Don't say anything stupid. Take it graciously. Show them what you are. Yeah, and I agree with, that. with it later on.
3: I, I think the difference between Lewis and Max is that if Max lost that title in that discretion in that way, he would have flown off the hilt. Yeah, I reckon. And and Lewis was very, very. I thought he was very sportsmanlike, and that was that was excellent to see. I, I I respect him more for the way he lost than had he won it. I think. But no, Piastri, agree. what a superstar. He's a hundred percent the real deal. It's so cool, so cool. And he's got great people in his uh his team uh backing him to go uh, to go up a next level. So have,
2: yeah. have you ever heard of Mark Webber?
3: Uh, uh yeah, once mm. or twice. Yeah, mm. tall, tall bloke from Canberra, right? Did an ad for milk at some point for them, I think.
2: He's a poor boy for the Canberra Raiders. Yeah, 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 yeah. Correct.
0: <laughs> no, I like it. Yeah, that no, I do. Uh what, uh, is it a shame that we go to a new car in 2022 after the season we had this year? Yes. No. no I reckon it is too. <laughs> no. Because
3: <laughs> there's no guarantee that it, that Red Bull will continue to be as competitive as they are. So, There's Mercedes no guarantee that any more. other
0: team will actually pull
3: their no, finger out and I'd, be better. I think they'll be all right. I think it'll be okay.
2: But it'll be interesting to see what, this arms race this year to finish out this season between those two if they've had to divert any resources yeah. from next year we've seen this in the past when there's change of regs when you know, an underdog team is able to go you know nine months out all right well we're not worrying about this car we're focused on the future and it would be interesting yeah. to see how that pans out
3: yeah if you're mclaren and ferrari i reckon you're feeling pretty good about life because you've been watching those two in that arms race and you can just sit back and you're going to finish third or fourth one way or another doesn't really matter from there, does it? So yeah. you, you throw everything you've got it to your new car, and and I reckon you'll see very competitive out, outings from those two teams next year. Which well, as this
0: is going to be our last podcast for this year, and probably for the next three or four weeks, we'll come back around middle of January or somewhere, and have a real big build up to the Bathurst Twelve Hour. I'm sure we'll get lots of international guests and stuff. Because uh, does anyone know the media? One of the media managers or. Uh,
3: fat like balding, bit of a flog. But we I thought we might right.
0: finish off with our top five of 2021. The top five things that happened in 2021 to wrap up our final podcast of the year. Mark Walker, would you like to kick off your number five?
2: Yeah, um, because I went to so many race winnings this year, maybe eight. <laughs> Uh, and <laughs> one of them was a hill climb. <laughs> there were like two escorts wobbling around. Uh, there was a bit slim pickings trackside for me this year, but uh, one of my favourites was the Shannons Nationals at Phillip Island earlier in the year. Um, yeah, it was the f- first time I've ever seen an S5000 car trackside. Like, that was that was a bit of a moment, but mm. you know, all the on-track stuff was really good. But for mine, it was taking my kid there. Uh, we had a great Saturday blasting around there looking at race cars ducks ambulances all those sort of cool things so that was really cool having him there and it was probably about the only race meeting of the year where there was a really good media crowd there there, mm. there weren't a lot of media um, border issues getting everyone from around the country there so uh yeah. that, that was a good race meeting i reckon um bit of a knobball left field one but yeah shannon's nationals philip island number 5
0: well you went to 8 i went to 2 race meetings this year so <laughs> it was very simple for me, trackside. Uh, my number five goes to Jack Miller and his appearance at the Bend a couple of weeks ago for the Superbikes. Uh, that is amazing that a MotoGP rider would make that effort to actually come back to his country and say, hey, I'm going to put my hand up and be a part of your final round. Let's get a crowd there. Let's make it happen. And the fact he got a podium too was quite excellent as well, seeing what he was riding on that day. Is so far different to what he had been riding for the entire year in race trim. Anyway, i mean, he probably used to riding a, a you know 1,000 bike around on the streets, but uh, to be able to do that in race trim and get a podium is fantastic. So, Jack Miller, absolute thumbs up to you for coming back and just supporting the local scene. And chatted from from all reports, he chatted to everyone, didn't miss an autograph. Anyone who wanted a photo, no dramas. He made himself fully available, and that has won the hearts of millions if they weren't already won already. I like it. I like it. Massive crowd, too, apparently. So sell some tickets. Shows the
3: power of MotoGP. Uh, My number five was Race Tasmania, which feels like Mm. a long, long, long time ago. It was January last year, wasn't it? It was January this this year. year. Um, I loved Race Tasmania because it was a full stop on 2020 which was rubbish. And it was before we knew what was going to be thrown at us in 2021, which was also rubbish. <laughs>
1: rubbish yeah. So it
3: was in this magic little window of happiness that was summer 2021. And it was just such a good race. My first plane ride in more than 300 days since the Grand Prix 2020. Why didn't New- you
2: why didn't you swim to Tasmania?
3: No. no it was your chance. Um It was just, it was great. And Tassie at that point was entirely pre-pandemic. There were no restrictions. There were nightclubs open, pubs open. It was fantastic. A genuinely fantastic weekend. Great racing. Great to see S5000 finally race for a championship and be part of bringing back the gold star. TCR was good. TCM was good. It was just a genuinely very, very good race meeting and such a nice way to start the year and to put a full stop on 2020. There'd be more speed bumps, but it was just really, really cool.
2: Hmm. Yep. It's good Absolutely. fun to watch on the tally, yeah. Hmm. Number four, Mark. Uh, you know how we just said that Oscar Piastri is the real deal? Uh, I think I had that moment with Scott McLaughlin at Texas Motor Speedway when he jammed Ooh. at second on the Ooh. high banks <laughs> there. Yeah, hmm. I know you. So you should too. I got in there early. I'll let, I'll let you guys. No, no. So you're bit no, about it, but no, no, you know, no, he's a, a supercar driver, and he's over there on a high banked oval, beating the best of them. Yep, and so early in his and his run over there. Obviously, it didn't all go to plan like that, but uh, he was really competitive on those ovals. So uh, yeah, that that was just awesome to see Scotty over there doing his thing. And I think you know the tall poppy that he, he copped here, everyone was behind him. Yeah, like I don't think there's anyone that begrudges what he's doing over there. If you're a Ford or a Holden fan, like everyone's behind him, and yeah. no doubt he'll go on to bigger and better things. Rookie of the year, Indy 500, rookie of the year, and in the IndyCar series, he's uh, ticking boxes. He's in the right team, and he's doing the right things.
0: Yeah, I just honed in a little bit more specific, and I went for the Scotty McLaughlin Indy 500 drive as a as a one-off highlight for me for Scott. It was a great year for him, no doubt, but to have the Rookie of the Year to be fighting for what possibly could have been what a top five or top six position at one stage until he got that pit lane speeding uh, situation, and that sort of clocked him down a little bit. Just a, an amazing effort. First time on that track in a race. Obviously, he'd run some laps in testing. Uh, yeah, what can you say? Just an amazing effort by him. As you said, a supercar driver who goes and does that in his first year of Indy cars. That's a highlight in anyone's book.
3: Well, conveniently, uh, IndyCar is also my number four. So there you go. Um, <laughs> uh, just to round off the point, we, we were on TV at Sydney Motorsport Park at the Shannon's Round uh, when Scotty went and finished second and we were following it on the phone and uh, watching the race and we put a breaking news alert up in the TV and we were among the first to report it, which was really cool to be part of. Uh, yeah, it was such a cool moment to see him get an IndyCar podium in his fourth or fifth ever race. but. But the whole season in IndyCar was outstanding. Great, great racing. The Indy 500 was awesome. So good to see the soul back at the speedway and so many people there. Great championship. New winner, at Alex Pillow, who absolutely deserved it. Great names like Padua Ward coming through. Um, this Rena's VK. Colton Willpower. Herder. Willpower. Yeah, Colton Herder is amazing. Willpower is still fast. Still getting pole positions, still won a race. Yeah, don't forget that. Elio, you know, signing with, you know, at 174 years old, signing with um, Mike Shank for next year. Scott Dixon, still being Scott Dixon and looking like a title contender whenever he races. It was just such a good year for IndyCar. I I really enjoyed consuming that championship this year. So that's my number
0: four as well. IndyCar or F1, who had the better year?
3: Uh, F1, but it was a pretty good season of IndyCar racing.
0: Mark, agree?
2: Uh, Yes. Yeah. Yep. Lock that in.
0: Number three, Mr. Walker.
2: Uh, I'm going to go the NASCAR Championship weekend at Phoenix. Uh, All all three classes, really good races that Mm. went down to the wire. You know, I love the playoffs and I love all that NASCAR stuff. And every moment during the year matters. It doesn't matter if it's the first quarter of the first race of the season it all culminates in that weekend and the playoff system and and how they've got it rigged over there they've got so many events during the year and it it just works I don't think you'd, it would work with a 12 event calendar that we've got in Australia over there it just works in the trucks Ben Rhodes I used to do his PR when he was racing for Marcus Ambrose Motorsport he won the truck series um, Daniel Hamrick won the Xfinity series he'd never won an race. And he made it, made it to the final four. I was like, well, he's definitely not going to win because he's never won a race <laughs> and he has to win this race to win the championship. Sure enough, he won the race in the last 10 metres mm. uh, banging doors with Austin Sindrick. I mean, that was an absolute all-time classic finish to a championship there. I mean, that was Hamilton and Verstappen crashing in the final corner yeah. to, to win the championship. So that was really cool. And obviously, Kyle Larson wrapped up the, the season in such fine style like he's dominated everything we went through all the stats uh, a few weeks ago and he was on 30 something race uh, race wins then and i think he's on 40 something now so he just keeps ticking him off and martin troeks jr i mean he's my man over there in, in the cup series and he chased him all the way to the wire And you know martin had a great season too with the aussie crew chief ben small um james small sorry yeah done such a great job you know big shoes to fill there with uh cole pern and he stepped up and did a great job. So there'll be a a package to watch next year. And they've obviously got a new car coming along too there in NASCAR, which will be very interesting to see how it all pans out.
3: I like it. I like it. My number three, Shebex, is uh, Formula One related. Yeah. And it's Daniel Ricciardo's win at Monza. Yeah. (laughs) That was, as a pure fan, I had nothing but fandom for F1 riding on that in the middle of this incredible season. To see that race play out, to see Verstappen and Hamilton crash into each other at turn one, that was incredible. And then the realisation that, hang on a minute, our boy's in contention here. Uh, after all the crap that he'd copped at the start of the year and some of the outrageous reporting going, oh, he's past it, he's no good, rah, 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 to see him bounce back like that and deliver that result for himself, but also for McLaren, which is a team that I've loved since Senna raced here in Adelaide when I saw him drive, um, was brilliant great great dramatic motor race with all the daniel ricardo fare at the end that you would expect and be disappointed if he didn't deliver and just a little reminder that he is still one of the best drivers in that paddock and hopefully with a good car next year that will bode really really well for for a good season for daniel so monza at with with a sideline of silverstone shunt as well but uh, mainly monza
0: Uh, my number three was a win also But it was a win in supercars Race 28, Sydney oh, Park. yes, For Will Brown
2: It's good uh, I get great. the feeling
0: Mark's also got that <laughs> uh, But he hasn't got a number three
2: yeah. No, that's true
0: uh, <laughs> no, Well, I'll, I'll only do half of the talk Then, Mark Just great, after the, the year that they had For the start of the season uh, At Erebus, and uh, once again All the stuff that was thrown their way as well About the team had fallen off the rails And uh, you know, since they had won their Bathurst with Reynolds and Youlden and the like, that things just hadn't been the same and all this sort of stuff. It was fantastic to see after that major break for that team to turn it around and then that turnaround be uh, accentuated with that win for Will Brown. It was the feeling throughout the the garage when Will crossed the line uh, from Barry all the way down to everyone. We didn't see what it looked like for the owner because she wasn't there, but for the rest of them, they all looked pretty happy. Uh, <laughs> No, great great stuff for Will. I followed his career, called him in Formula 4, seen him go through to Super 2s. He did well there and uh, has made the step up this year. As a rookie in the supercars, and bigger and better things ahead for him, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, oh, I'm exactly there for you, number two. I mean, none of us could have expected anything from Erebus this year. Uh, I genuinely thought they'd be wobbling around at the back. None of us but, did. Mm. And even Will probably should have won more races at Sydney Motorsport Park had they got their tyre stops right. So there's the Will Brown factor in that race, 28. But for mine, it was that Red Bull boxing on. That was the race where Jamie and SVG carved each other up and Jamie ran him off the track three times in a lap. If he drove like that with anyone else in the field, it would have been the biggest blow-up of all time. But because it was SVG, it's like, well, it's his teammate. He Mm. owns a team. He can do what he likes. He can carve him up if he wants to. And that was cool to see Jamie still competitive at the end of his last final season obviously Bathurst didn't turn out but you know he's still very hungry there at the end and very competitive and probably giving it away a bit too soon but uh that race 28 was the culmination of such a long stretch there at Sydney Motorsport Park there were a couple of good races you know the, the night race in the wet was very cool but uh you know we sort of sat through a lot of sameness and then bang that race just blew up so for mine that's my number two
3: yeah, I have regrets that I didn't put that in my top five now. Uh, and I also have regrets that I didn't put that insane wet night race in my top five because yeah. that was cross cross between impressive and terrifying <laughs> at the
2: same time. I still haven't watched it. I,
3: too scared. I, bloody terrifying. Uh, for number two, I put the S5000 feature race at Phillip Island on the Sunday. Mm. Because for mine, I, I have a, a close personal connection, not just with the category, but open wheel racing in this country as you know and uh it's been a long long passion project of mine to in some way contribute to open wheel racing in this country in particular being bigger than it is and we tried with f3 and you could argue that we failed but we had some moments but s5000 always promised a little bit more and that feature race at phillip island had everything it had nathan hearn with the big shunt at the start but he walked away which was a great tick in the safety box. It was the first time we'd really tested those cars from a, a crash point of view, which was huge. Uh, you don't want to do it, but it was really important. So that was big. But then when it restarted, it was eight laps of utterly brutal wheel-to-wheel, hugely competitive racing. You had Mawson and Randall crashing into each other, flat tire, you had the GRM cars in the mix, you had a freight train of seven cars, Tim Macro in the game. It was a legitimate hardcore big banger open wheel motor race with properly good drivers that aren't all juniors coming up through the ranks in fast racing cars, doing really good things. And for mine, it was just a massive tick for the category that it can be something down the road. So for mine, that race being able to call it, I dropped in a little Murrayism as um, Joey Morrison <laughs> crossed the line, which I'm extremely proud of to this day. Cause it was the weekend that Murray Walker died um for mine it was uh it, that was a really special motor race to be involved in and uh, i'll be very fond of that race
0: for a long time special motor race to watch too thoroughly enjoyed watching pretty, it it was pretty intense actually there was a third there you go i forgot i went to philip island until you mentioned that so i went to three race meetings this year did you go to philip island yeah, yeah.
3: you Memor- a punter.
0: memorable visit yeah okay good
1: yeah
3: Number one, carry on, Shebecky. Oh, hang on. I've got number two. Oh, well, you go number two first then.
0: Hamilton slash Verstappen, my number two. Just that. No no specific race, no specific moment. Just those two this year, just absolutely amazing. The show that they put on, not just on the track but off the track. It was just everything about it, and it just reinvigorated, I think is the word you used earlier, Richard. Everyone's feelings towards Formula One on what had been a less invigorating period in the last three to four years where Formula One had become so predictable, so uh, what's the word? We are just playing, just nothing yeah. about it. It was cars going on track, racing, same results every week, and we'll do it again next week. This year was just way above that, so far above it that, as you said, everyone's into it now. Amer- Three-quarters of America's into it because it's a a fantastic TV series. I don't know how that works, but it does. The numbers have stacked up all year in Formula 1. Even this week, I think we still had 135,000 people watch the race between 12 and 2, with 50,000 people or so still on at 3 o'clock in the morning watching Mm. Ted do his crap. (laughs) (laughs) With all respect, Ted, if you're listening. That's the biggest Uh, shock of them all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hamilton for Stappen, absolute kings of the road this year. Well done.
2: Right. My number one, Tony, I'd be surprised if you have this. Richard, you're a possibility, but I'm going to plug in the Bathurst track walk that we had as a oh. podcast the other week. <laughs> Good. It was because
0: a highlight of my, of my listening year. I'll give you that.
2: <laughs> we, we, we'll take some better, better audio kit next time, but uh, it's all I think about. You know, go to bed at night, think, of cutting laps at Bathurst. And yeah, since I was a little kid, been buying the Bathurst books and you're hanging out for that first weekend of October and, Bathurst, Bathurst, Bathurst. And I've walked around there before. I've cut a lot of laps. We've cut laps earlier in the weekend and cut laps later in the weekend too. But that walk where we took four hours and nine kilometres to get around a 6K track. <laughs> it would yeah. take nine kilometres. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. doesn't make <laughs> sense. Just going around there and looking at all the stuff and climbing yeah. up the walls. Like I climbed up numerous walls for no good reason other than see what's on the other side of them. And Yeah. And it was just amazing to touch and feel and, and see all the bumps and lumps. And every inch of that place, something famous has happened.
0: I can't believe that's the first time you've done it.
2: I've walked around. I walked around there with Lowndes once. But, mm. you know, it was a brisk sort of yeah, exercise okay. walk. And yeah. that was a, a wobbling fat man walk that we yeah. completed. Well, you took yesterday. this one in. But, uh, you know, talking to the locals, all that sort of caper was really cool. And and just getting a really good feel for it. And it set up that weekend, which was Rather massive So
3: yeah.
2: um, For mine My number one Was wobbling around Bathurst on an Early Sunday morning That turned into An early afternoon <laughs>
0: Look can I give you Some great news Next year I have AMRS At Sydney Motorsport Park The week before Bathurst So I ain't coming home Now, good i do your deal And go straight to Sydney On the Monday uh, Yeah
2: I'm, I'm glad that the AMRS Is absolutely locked in That's yeah. good news <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the first time In two years I'm <laughs> Yeah I'm, uh, yeah, I'm going to
3: go To Bathurst early again Good. I loved being in town. Well, I'm in for an extended period before the race. That—that that is me in the future. Uh, well, it's—it's it's good you—you you led with that, Mark, because it—it it falls in my broad number one uh, to which I have only written Bathurst, <laughs> and it encapsulates not just the uh, Mount Pan 500 at the start of the year, which was cool to go back to supercars, but the six-hour, but then. Uh, I I was lucky enough to spend two weeks at that place and went there straight after Sydney Motorsport Park Number 4, spent a week working from Bathurst. Um, I feel like I got to know the city a lot better than I already had. And, and, you know, there have been years in the past where I've literally spent 30 days out of 365, an entire month in Bathurst over the course of a year. But I felt like I got to know it well. Um, There is a good coffee shop within 500 metres of wherever you walk in Bathurst it has more good coffee shops per capita than Melbourne. Ooh, and so I, have, cool. I have tweeted that and I will go on record as holding to that Yeah. Through just, the rest of
1: my
2: life. They're not open on a Sunday morning, though.
3: You can't get one at eight o'clock on a Sunday morning. True. But there's still lots of good coffee shops. Crema Cremer is open, but that's it. Um, I just I loved that week. I love the build-up. I love the track walk. That was that was an awesome experience. And to do it with a mate, but also to do it. The way we did it, talking about it, and I thought you did it with Mark. Oh, don't be jealous, you weren't there, Shebex. I'm, don't jealous, be jealous. I'm so jealous. Don't be jealous now. The time for jealousy has passed, my friend.
2: You this, can this be there next year. Forever. This, this is going to be our um Indy 500. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is <laughs> banging on about this for the rest of time in every podcast. Hey, do you remember when we went to Bathurst 2021?
3: We did a track walk? <laughs>
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> That
3: was great um there was just all just so many good things about that week and and a for true, true blues true that to, to organize a pr stump with the original 1981 yeah. Bathurst winner and to touch that car was great brad owen at the museum was outstanding and and the access that he gave us was incredible um i would i was going to do a podcast in there as well but we never got around to it um the, the circuit itself, Adrian Dalton, the ops manager of the of the site, opening the media center for us every day because we were the stupid early people there at six fifteen am um, but I was so proud of our sport to get that event in after such a crap year where so much stuff was cancelled and postponed and delayed and oh we 're going to do this we 're going to do that and there was the, my calendar for this year is an utter mess looking back on it, but to get that event in was so good. And for the compromise that had to happen to do it. And I don't think anyone will know the real story of how much everybody was bent over at some point to get that event in even supercars. So there, there was a lot of pain copped to get that event in, but well, the sport did it and the sport is better for having done it.
2: What, what version of the calendar uh, schedule did we wind up with? I believe it was 15.
3: Yeah, I, I believe it was fifteen at the end. But then, even towards the end, there were some late little non-official changes that no one had time to retype. Six days of motor racing, just let it go. Yeah, yeah. But it was, uh, it was, it was truly incredible. It's the biggest week of motor racing work I've ever had in my life. Yeah, and uh, I don't want to do it again. Flat out, do not want to do a six-day bathurst again. But
0: I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Well, beautiful stuff. My uh, number one is also at Bathurst, but it's more about the actual finish of the race. So although the the actual car that was shared by Chas Mostert and Lee Holdsworth and the finishing position of that car being champion number one car, an amazing effort. Once again, a a team that we we spoke about Erebus earlier in the the sort of year that they had before the break. A lot can be said about what uh, was happening at WAU in 2020. They sort of, you saw a bit of a revival at the start of 21, but I don't think anyone thought that they could come up with anything substantial. And then all of a sudden the same, Chaz starts getting some wins under his belt and then a massive win at the end of the year as well for him. Just great. Uh, Lee Holdsworth 18 times. He's tried to win Bathurst. Best place was third. And I think that was 15 years ago, whatever, 14 years ago, whatever it might've been, or 13 years ago. So just great for Lee to finally get one. He was hard done by a couple of years ago in the way that his career ended at the, the top end and was just thrown on the heap. He's recovered to an extent with the work that he's done through TCR and things like that, but nothing will ever replace that. He's a ripper bloke. Uh, yeah, And just, I don't know.
1: We no, spoke prophet. to him last
0: week. It was an emotional chat to him because he was just, it was just so good. You could feel that he's hardened. I even got my... uh my boys that I produce on 3OW, Mark Allen and David Swartz, to chat to him on Saturday. And they're not racing guys at all, but Mark said to me after the interview, he said, never have I actually spoke to anyone where you could actually hear the smile on their face through their voice. He said that was just so evident with him, just how much joy and how much happiness that last weekend brought him.
3: Shebex, we're in a privileged position in that, we three and and other people we work with know a lot of these cats and, and call them mates as well. So to see them achieve, it's all you want, isn't it? All you want to see is your mates and your friends and your family achieve something. And to, to see someone you've known for a long time achieve something like that is, is a great moment that, and I, I don't think Lee realizes how it affects other people like you and like his mates and family. So I love that. No, I, well said. Well said.
0: That's it. What a big year. Well, and, and there's big probably year. 30 things we missed. Very, very silly year.
3: Um, oh, I
2: mean, I'm just waiting for the news tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what?
3: I don't even want to predict what it's going to be. It'll be something. It'll be, oh, no. No, now knowing we, our like now we've finished. It's our last show. It'll be something completely and utterly inane no one will care about. True. But uh, we'd like to thank everyone who's listened to On The Grid this yeah, year. Yeah, we would thank you for for seriously we say thank you because uh we're just um three or sometimes four blokes uh sitting around prattling on about motor racing but uh we're continually surprised by the reach that this show has and uh to john and eve and the team at radio show limited as well thank you for your ongoing support and to everyone who listens through the radio show limited network of channels we thank them for joining in we hope that we can go some way to explaining our little crazy world of motorsport down here in Australia. For those of you listening uh, overseas as well.
2: Uh, thanks to you two lads, because I live at home with my wife and I work with an office full of women. So just to talk to two blokes at, for 45 minutes a week is just
3: yeah. fantastic. And little, Theo's just not quite there yet with the he, motorsport chat. He'll get there. But... He
2: jibbers quite a lot. Yeah. But yeah. No, nothing, like good a li- nothing like an I love you dad though. Yeah. Oh, he's not there. He's about race cars. Race car, race
0: car. <laughs> hey, we've also got to thank Dale Rogers. I know we did last week, but mm. Dale's been fantastic. His F1 reports this year have been insightful and colourful. So, thank you so much, Dale, for your input into the show as well. We should thank Tom Archuley as well.
2: How'd you Boric. go, Mark?
0: How'd you go? You're well, right,
2: right at the end. I'm getting pro. Look at this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, we, we should end the show right there. <laughs> yeah, mic exactly. drop. Walk away.
0: Um, mic drop. We're out of here. Uh, thanks, Tom, for your uh, chats with Will Davison throughout the year. That brought us some uh, insight inside that camp as well, which was great because no one else was going to let us chat to him. So I'm glad you were able to.
3: <laughs> Whack. No, and, and thank you to Doric as well for their support of TRT and On The Grid throughout the year. We we love them. Uh, don't forget, uh, doric.com.au slash shop. Uh, put the checkout code TRT in at the end and you can get 25% off. 25%. That's I should amazing. have put number one on my list that we've got a bloody promo code.
0: Yeah, that's How good's that?
3: You know true. you've made it when you've got a true. promo code.
0: And Ryan, Wonder if you're wondering what I was talking about, it's okay, you've fixed the problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Show's done. 2021 done and dusted. Boys, thank you so much to you guys as well uh, for being a part of it. Look forward to doing it all again in 2022. I reckon somewhere around the middle of Jan will probably be the starting yeah. point for us. Yeah, why not? why not? Start getting some news somewhere. When's twenty four? When's he 12-hour? February, late February. Late February. Oh, it might even be the start of Feb then. Yeah, maybe
3: maybe first week of Feb. Anyway, we'll see. If you'd like us to come back earlier, let us know, and we'll probably ignore you. But let us know anyway.
0: Actually, if you'd like us to come back earlier, keep it to yourself. (laughs) Jeez, (laughs) on that bombshell. (laughs) Catch you later, guys. Thank you, and thank you for being a part of what we love doing. That's a show called On The Grid. We'll catch you again in 2022.